Welcome to Bite at a Time Books, where we read you your favorite classics one bite at a time. My name is Brie Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. You can find all of our social media and other links in the show notes. Today we will be continuing The Three Musketeers by Alexandra Dumas. 36. Dream of Vengeance That evening my lady gave orders that when Monsieur d'Artagnan came as usual, he should be immediately admitted, but he did not come. The next day Kitty went to see the young man again and related to him all that had passed on the preceding evening. D'Artagnan smiled. This jealous anger of my lady was his revenge. That evening, my lady was still more impatient than on the preceding evening. She renewed the order relative to the Gaskin, but as before, she expected him in vain. The next morning, when Kitty presented herself at D'Artagnan's, she was no longer joyous and alert as on the two preceding days, but on the contrary, sad as death. D'Artagnan asked the poor girl what was the matter with her, but she, as her only reply, drew a letter from her pocket and gave it to him. This letter was in my lady's handwriting, only this time it was addressed to Monsieur d'Artagnan and not to Monsieur de Wardes. He opened it and read as follows. Dear Monsieur d'Artagnan, it is wrong thus to neglect your friends, particularly at the moment you are about to leave them for so long a time. My brother-in-law and myself expected you yesterday and the day before, but in vain. Will it be the same this evening? You're very grateful, my lady cleric. That's all very simple, said D'Artagnan. I expected this letter. My credit rises by the fall of that of the Count de Wardes. And will you go? asked Kitty. Listen to me, my dear girl, said the Gascon, who sought for an excuse in his own eyes for breaking the promise he had made Athos. You must understand it would be impolitic not to accept such a positive invitation. My lady, not seeing me come again, would not be able to understand what could cause the interruption of my visits, and might suspect something. Who could say how far the vengeance of such a woman would go? Oh my God, said Kitty, you know how to represent things in such a way that you are always in the right. You are going now to pay your court to her again, and if this time you succeed in pleasing her in your own name and with your own face, it will be much worse than before. Instinct made poor Kitty guess a part of what was to happen. D'Artagnan reassured her as well as he could and promised to remain insensible to the seductions of my lady. He desired Kitty to tell her mistress that he could not be more grateful for her kindnesses than he was, and that he would be obedient to her orders. He did not dare write for fear of not being able, to such experienced eyes as those of my lady, to disguise his writing sufficiently. As nine o'clock sounded, D'Artagnan was at the Place Royale. It was evident that the servants who waited in the antechamber were warned, for as soon as D'Artagnan appeared, before even he had asked if my lady were visible, one of them ran to announce him. Show him in, said my lady in a quick tone, but so piercing that D'Artagnan heard in the antechamber. He was introduced. I am at home to nobody, said my lady. Observe, to nobody. The servant went out. D'Artagnan cast an inquiring glance at my lady. She was pale and looked fatigued, either from tears or want of sleep. The number of lights had been intentionally diminished, but the young woman could not conceal the traces of the fever which had devoured her for two days. D'Artagnan approached her with his usual gallantry. She then made an extraordinary effort to receive him, but never did a more distressed countenance give the lie to a more amiable smile. To the questions which D'Artagnan put concerning her health, she replied, Bad. Very bad. Then, replied he, my visit is ill-timed. You no doubt stand in need of a repose, and I will withdraw. 
No, no, said my lady, on the contrary, stay, Monsieur d'Artagnan, your agreeable company will divert me. Oh, oh, thought d'Artagnan, she has never been so kind before, on guard. My lady assumed the most agreeable air possible and conversed with more than her usual brilliancy. At the same time, the fever, which for an instant abandoned her, returned to give luster to her eyes, color to her cheeks, and vermilion to her lips. D'Artagnan was again in the presence of the Cirque who had before surrounded him with her enchantments. His love, which he believed to be extinct but which was only asleep, awoke again in his heart. My lady smiled, and D'Artagnan felt that he could damn himself for that smile. There was a moment at which he felt something like remorse. By degrees, my lady became more communicative. She asked D'Artagnan if he had a mistress. Alas, said D'Artagnan, with the most sentimental air he could assume, can you be cruel enough to put such a question to me? To me, who, from the moment I saw you, have only breathed inside through you and for you. My lady smiled with a strange smile. Then you love me, said she. Have I any need to tell you so? Have you not perceived it? It may be, but you know the more hearts are worth the capture, the more difficult they are to be won. Oh, difficulties do not affright me, said D'Artagnan. I shrink before nothing but impossibilities. Nothing is impossible, replied my lady, to true love. Nothing, madame? Nothing, replied my lady. The devil, thought D'Artagnan, the note is changed. Is she going to fall in love with me, by chance, this fair inconstant? And will she be disposed to give me myself another sapphire like that which she gave me for de Wardes? D'Artagnan rapidly drew his seat nearer to my lady's. Well now, she said, let us see what you would do to prove this love of which you speak. All that could be required of me. Order. I am ready. For everything? For everything, cried D'Artagnan, who knew beforehand that he had not much to risk in engaging himself thus. Well, now let us talk a little seriously, said my lady, in her turn drawing her armchair nearer to D'Artagnan's chair. I am all attention, madame, said he. My lady remained thoughtful and undecided for a moment. Then, as if appearing to have formed a resolution, she said, I have an enemy. You, madame, said D'Artagnan, affecting surprise. Is that possible? My God, good and beautiful as you are. A mortal enemy. Indeed. An enemy who has insulted me so cruelly that between him and me it is war to the death. May I reckon on you as an auxiliary? D'Artagnan at once perceived the ground which the vindictive creature wished to reach. You may, madame, said he with emphasis. My arm and my life belong to you, like my love. Then, said my lady, since you are as generous as you are loving. She stopped. Well, demanded D'Artagnan. Well, replied my lady after a moment of silence, from the present time cease to talk of impossibilities. Do not overwhelm me with happiness, cried D'Artagnan, throwing himself on his knees and covering with kisses the hands abandoned to him. Avenge me of that infamous divorce, said my lady between her teeth and I shall soon know how to get rid of you, you double idiot, you animated sword blade. Fall voluntarily into my arms, hypocritical and dangerous woman, said D'Artagnan likewise to himself. After having abused me with such effantry, and afterward I will laugh at you with him whom you wish me to kill. D'Artagnan lifted up his head. I am ready, said he. You have understood me then, dear Monsieur D'Artagnan, said my lady. I could interpret one of your looks. Then you would employ for me your arm, which has already acquired so much renown. Instantly. But on my part, said my lady, how should I repay such a service? I know these lovers. They are men who do nothing for nothing. 
You know the only reply that I desire, said D'Artagnan, the only one worthy of you and of me. And he drew nearer to her. She scarcely resisted. Interested man, cried she, smiling. Ah, cried D'Artagnan, really carried away by the passion this woman had the power to kindle in his heart. Ah, that is because my happiness appears so impossible to me, and I have such fear that it should fly away from me like a dream that I pant to make a reality of it. Well, merit this pretended happiness, then? I am at your orders, said D'Artagnan. Quite certain, said my lady with a last doubt. Only name to me the base man that has brought tears into your beautiful eyes. Who told you that I had been weeping, said she? It appeared to me. Such women as I never weep, said my lady. So much the better. Come, tell me his name. Remember that his name is all my secret. Yet I must know his name. Yes, you must. See what confidence I have in you. You overwhelm me with joy. What is his name? You know him. Indeed? Yes. It is surely not one of my friends, replied D'Artagnan, affecting hesitation in order to make her believe him ignorant. If it were one of your friends, you would hesitate then, cried my lady, and a threatening glance darted from her eyes. Not if it were my own brother, cried D'Artagnan, as if carried away by his enthusiasm. Our Gascon promised this without risk, for he knew all that was meant. I love your devotedness, said my lady. Alas, do you love nothing else in me, asked D'Artagnan. I love you also. You, said she, taking his hand. The warm pressure made D'Artagnan tremble, as if by the touch that fever which consumed my lady attacked himself. You love me. You, cried he. Oh, if that were so, I should lose my reason. And he folded her in his arms. She made no effort to remove her lips from his kisses, only she did not respond to them. Her lips were cold. It appeared to D'Artagnan that he had embraced a statue. He was not the less intoxicated with joy, electrified by love. He almost believed in the tenderness of my lady. He almost believed in the crime of de Wardes. If de Wardes had at that moment been under his hand, he would have killed him. My lady seized the occasion. His name is, said she in turn. De Wardes, I know it, cried D'Artagnan. And how do you know it, asked my lady, seizing both his hands and endeavoring to read with her eyes to the bottom of his heart. D'Artagnan felt he had allowed himself to be carried away and that he had committed an error. Tell me, tell me, tell me, I say, repeated my lady, how do you know it? How do I know it? said D'Artagnan. Yes, I know it because yesterday Monsieur de Wardes, in a saloon where I was, showed a ring which he said he had received from you. Wretch, cried my lady. The epithet, as may be easily understood, resounded to the very bottom of D'Artagnan's heart. Well, continued she. Well, I will avenge you of this wretch, replied D'Artagnan, giving himself the airs of Don Jafet of Armenia. Thanks, my brave friend, cried my lady, and when shall I be avenged? Tomorrow, immediately, when you please. My lady was about to cry out immediately, but she reflected that such precipitation would not be very gracious toward D'Artagnan. Besides, she had a thousand precautions to take, a thousand counsels to give to her defender, in order that he might avoid explanations with the court before witnesses. All this was answered by an expression of D'Artagnan's. Tomorrow, said he, you will be avenged or I shall be dead. No, said she, you will avenge me, but you will not be dead. He is a coward. With women, perhaps, but not with men. I know something of him. But it seems you had not much reason to complain of your future in your contest with him. Fortune is a courtesan. Favorable yesterday, she may turn her back tomorrow. Which means that you now hesitate? 
No, I do not hesitate. God forbid, but it would be just to allow me to go to a possible death without having given me at least something more than hope. My lady answered by a glance which said, Is that all? Speak then. And then accompanying the glance with explanatory words. That is but too just, said she tenderly. Oh, you are an angel, exclaimed the young man. Then all is agreed, said she. Accept that which I ask of you, dear love. But when I assure you that you may rely on my tenderness, I cannot wait till tomorrow. Silence, I hear my brother. It will be useless for him to find you here. She rang the bell and Kitty appeared. Go out this way, said she, opening a small private door, and come back at eleven o'clock. We will then terminate this conversation. Kitty will conduct you to my chamber. The poor girl almost fainted at hearing these words. Well, mademoiselle, what are you thinking about standing there like a statue? Do as I bid you. Show this chevalier out, and this evening at eleven o'clock you have heard what I said. It appears that these appointments are all made for eleven o'clock, thought D'Artagnan. That's a settled custom. My lady held out her hand to him, which he kissed tenderly. But, said he as he retired as quickly as possible from the reproaches of Kitty, I must not play the fool. This woman is certainly a great liar. I must take care. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books today, while we read a bite of one of your favorite classics. All of the links to our social media and website are down in the show notes. We are part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you ever wondered what inspired your favorite classic novelists to write their stories, what was happening in their lives or the world at the time, check out Bite at a Time Books, Behind the Story, Tuesdays wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, my name is Bree Carlisle, and I hope you come back tomorrow while we take the next bite of The Three Musketeers.